Yo, it's your boy DB, Dallas Brandon. You are listening to the Ricky Henderson of Podcast. <laughs> That's right, folks. Starting off with a banger on episode one. So excited to bring you the first ever episode of the Ricky Henderson of Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Espinoza. And yeah, that's right, Dallas Braden is going to be our main interview on episode one. And also excited to catch up with former A's beat writer for MLB.com, Jane Lee, who's now helping Arizona State down in Phoenix in a couple of different roles. So got to catch up with her, see how she's doing. And uh, yeah, I just figured like Braden would be a great first guest for me personally for this podcast because uh, back in 2010, it was Jane's first year on the beat. And I was actually her first intern, and uh, the last game ever—the uh, last game of our first homestand was Braden's perfect game, uh, May 9th, 2010. So, so why not? Uh, yeah, just give you a little background of myself. I'm a Bay Area native, uh, born in Oakland, raised in Alameda, and then Moraga, so East Bay. Uh, you know, grew up going to the Coliseum all the time with my dad and my brother, uh, my sister, my mom, everybody. And um, yeah, from 2010 to 2018, I kind of just hung around the team as a freelancer. They couldn't get rid of me. Uh, I was freelancer for MLB.com, The Athletic, uh, Associated Press. And then about a week ago, week ago, um, started up Ricky Blog on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So make sure you follow us there at Ricky Blog. And if you didn't hear episode zero, our, our big picture plan for this bad boy is to eventually get a van and just travel around the country interviewing A's fans on the road, uh, you know, break down in the middle of nowhere, hate it, but then get to an A's game and just love it. So stay, uh, stay tuned for that, you know, a few years down the road if we get that far. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's get to the main, uh, the main interview for today's podcast with Dallas Braden. Hopefully it's unlike anything you guys never heard before. Uh, if you haven't been keeping up with him lately, he's very, very busy man. Uh, he's killing it with uh, Barstool Sports, doing his Starting Nine, pos- uh, starting nine podcast with uh, Jared Karabis. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, I don't know. And he's also uh, killing it as an A's broadcaster, you know, sitting right behind home plate. Best seat in the house. Uh, so much fun to talk to him. Thank you so much to Dallas and Jane for being our first guests. All right, let's get to it. Hope you guys enjoy. It's just so glad to have uh, Dallas Braden here as our first guest ever on the Ricky Henderson of podcast. Yeah. Dallas. <laughs> Dallas, thanks a lot for coming in, man. I appreciate it. No I'm going to spark this bad boy up while I ask you the first question. And I'm, I'm wondering if you ever smelled weed in, in the stands at the Coliseum while you were pitching a game. I got to know. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Rolling up to the parking lot, you see the clouds of smoke. Smell, we'll put it like this. Rolling up to the parking lot, you smell the clouds of smoke. Then you see the clouds of smoke. <laughs> and, 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 then you, uh, and then you see the, uh, the dimly lit eyeballs of many green and gold faithful and you know you are right at home. <laughs> you know, what about down in the bullpen, too? I mean, especially because you guys are, like, right fucking there, you know? I mean, what, what, is, yeah. what is that all, experience all, like? All over, man. All over. It's great. Like, as a player, you could smell it. And, you know, like, I look, man, I grew up going to the Coliseum. I grew up watching games at Candlestick Park as well. And then AT&T, Pac-Bell, whatever the hell else they're calling that. Yeah, game. yeah. So the idea of partaking – 
uh, on the way to the ballpark, at the ballpark, on the way home from the ballpark. Those are all just like rites of passages, right? Figuring out <laughs> which part of the bleachers you can get away with stuff. Um, you know, and sometimes there's a lot of fans you can hide. Sometimes there's not many fans at all. And you're kind of just out there with you and the elements getting it in. But, uh, man, you could, you could look, dude, these days, sitting down there where I'm at on the diamond level. Yeah. The ball game, uh, I still smell point. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I still get people that come up to me and, Give me a give me a little dab here or there. They may or may not. Off, you know, I mean, it yeah. is what it is, man. It's California, brother. That's fucking great. It's legal, right? It's like, yeah, it's legal. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Street legal. Um, and do, do you guys? Do, I was curious. Do you guys, as pitchers, love that little area down in the bullpen? Because it's like that little half-inch thick piece of cardboard, basically separating you from the fans. What is that like sitting down there? It's, you know, it's terrible, man. It is terrible because it's <laughs> like a. It, it, it seriously, it's like a lean-to from. It, it reminds you of a like a hut that Huck Finn might have like hung out in on the side of a riverbank somewhere back in the eighteen whatever the hell's. It's just a little roof of a shanty slanted upward and the reason it's slanted <laughs> upward is because you know if you happen to run into a baseball player who's over five nine <laughs> it becomes very difficult for them to sit down there so if you're like five ten or above you're already hunched down you're in what amounts to a lawn chair down there on a big league baseball field and uh let's put it put it to you like this that little piece of as you refer to it cardboard which really it's just glorified plywood there is that, that might as well not even be there that, dude that I, I, a, I was gonna ask like at a, on one of those hot coliseum day games it's like that like it literally doesn't do anything right it's like no, you, it does like, nothing yeah it's like it's just there for appearances right basically right. like, like yeah. if we're, if, let's just do the math here all right uh the sun rises in the east <laughs> that's in the west that bullpen is facing east so as soon as that sun comes up or, or excuse me, I've both been facing west. So as soon as that sun comes up, it's just punching you right in the face until about <laughs> six thirty when it gets behind the the college. Hey, uh, I'm curious, who who is like your favorite guy to see down there? Like you had an off day, or whatever, and you're did, did you chill down there? Were you a dugout guy or were you a bullpen guy? Um, I was a dugout guy. Um, later in my career, I would go down to the bullpen like at the beginning part of the game, and maybe catch an inning or two, and then come down during September. Yeah, I okay. would try to go down to the bullpen, but it really didn't make much sense because there's zero space in the dugout. Dude, that's that, why I would try yeah. to go down to the bullpen. But then you get down to the bullpen, and you got fuck, you got 18 guys down there in the bullpen. So it's like, hey, starter, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing down here? <laughs> and I'm down in the dugout, and they're like, hey, pitcher, what are you doing in here? We need somewhere for these position players to sit. So it's like, all right, I'll just maybe I'll stand in the bat rack, or I'll just like climb in one of these helmet cubbies and cheer my team on. Yeah, I just love how that facility is not made for the 40-man roster. Like, September comes, and it's just, like, Armageddon in the locker room. It's fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah, not great. <laughs> well, I've been in there for NFL uh, NFL games. I, can't, if, I don't know if you've ever been in the visiting locker room. and Imagine, like, 60 NFL dudes all taking off their pads. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, I, so we recently found out that you were uh, hungover uh, for your perfect game. I was curious, did you ever pull a Doc Ellis and pitch on acid? Have you ever done that? Uh, I've, I've never pitched on acid. No, never <laughs> on acid. Um, that is a dude. Trust me. Like when I think about, when I think about what's probably going through somebody's head when they're on a, when they're on a nice little trip, um, I can't imagine being able to focus 
to a point where you're like, yeah, I'm going to get this guy out. Or <laughs> the count is like remembering the count. Are you kidding me? I had a tough enough time remembering the count with like a slight hangover. Like, yeah. Let alone <laughs> balls deep into the back of my brain bleeding for like the sixth or seventh straight hour. Like, cause that's what happens when you take acid. Just in case you're and, and, and you're like on a mound in front of, in a stadium in front of like 10,000 people. I mean, how, how did he, how the fuck did he do that shit? You know? Right. And, and I don't know how many, I mean, I'm sure there were more than 10,000 people there. For his day. I don't know. I don't know how many people were there. <laughs> it's like the seventies. People didn't care about baseball. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I well, I mean, it, it could have been 10 people and that would have felt like 10,000 if you're on acid 10,000 and you feel like you could whisper and talk to each one of them that's what drugs will do to you well well i'm curious have you ever even just like gone to a park and just like thrown a baseball on acid and like had looked at it and like oh my god i made my whole fucking career from this little fucking this little fucking thing you know it's crazy to think about right when you start putting stuff in perspective like that because that's what happens when you get in touch with that side of your brain, when you kind of take all the training wheels off and just let your brain go, you really start to, wow, man, I, I can't, like you boil things down to the very basic. You know, and, and to your point, you're like, am I really getting paid money to throw a ball of yarn that is covered in cowhide? <laughs> Holy shit. And those guys up there are like, they're seriously just swinging like mini trees that have been chopped down, tapered, <laughs> tapered to like their grip. Like very specific, very right. specific specifications. Yeah. Right. And, and then, and then what's even crazier is like they found a couple cows that they really liked and they cut those cows up and put their skin on their hands. And they're wearing these like batting glove type things. So their hands don't get blisters from gripping that tree that they're swinging so hard in effort to whack this little ball of yarn covered in cow skin. Like, yeah, like you can, you can really go off on a tangent and start to break it down. Like, holy shit. <laughs> but I mean, for the record, have you ever just thrown a baseball like tripping or I don't know if you've tripped before. Like, I don't know. Have you ever done that before? I've, I've, uh, I've never thrown a baseball. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, and here, let me see what else. I, oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I already know the answer to this, but have you ever made a start where you were just like high on weed? I think I already know the answer to this. Um, I have never made a start while just completely blown like 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 you woke up and got and smoked and went like you you never did that no yeah okay 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 um but i gotta ask because because i think i remember you saying something like you only talked to like three people on start day it was like the catcher the pitching coach and the clubby or something like that so is is that right so you were were you basically like an absolute psycho on start days or what like what was it was just like like, my whole my whole my whole sentiment has been i was never good enough to be the guy that I am in between my start day, my team deserved to have me um, as, as focused as I could possibly be. And that meant I don't have time to joke around today. I don't have time to, you know, to come up with a quick little remark or dance around in the clubhouse <laughs> to the, you know, jukebox. Like, I'm not doing any of that today because you guys don't deserve that. What you deserve is somebody who is completely focused on the task at hand and, I knew that I almost had to turn into a different guy so that I could do that, so that I could be that individual. Because, I mean, you know, physically, I'm not the biggest, most imposing dude. Uh, my attitude will tell you that I'm 6'6", 260, but that's not, that's not who I am physically. <laughs> so I need to go out there and match that, right? And, and that's kind of what my mindset was. So, no, I, look, I, I, I go over video of the guy's, each day in between, you know, day after my uh-huh. start, it's the first three guys are my next opponent. Next day, it's the next three guys. Oh, in cool. That lineup. 
the next day it's the last three guys of a lineup. So I've spent three days focusing on the first three hitters, the middle of the lineup, and then the last three hitters. And then that fourth day is spent going over the bench players and who I could possibly see. And then on my start day, it's a culmination of going over all of those scouting reports that I put together because I'll then have a lineup. I'll know who I'm attacking. And because of the work that I've done in between, I will already have my game plan laid out. And it'll just about, it's just about me pinning the tail on each one of those fucking donkeys in that lineup. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. Thanks for that insight. Like seeing how you prep for, for starts. I know everybody's different. Everybody has their own routine and shit. But the- and I'll tell you this, man. I had the iPads. And I had the iPads full of Mark Burley and Jamie Moyer. So you want to talk about getting in a good headspace. There's nothing like going home and getting your mind right and locking in on an iPad, watching two of the greats to do it the way that you're trying to do it and figuring out how to go about it with your little flavor, right? Yeah, but, but ironically, you actually didn't watch film your perfect game day, right? Is that one thing that happened because you're a little, little late to the party yeah, that, exactly. that day, right? Yeah, exactly. I was crazy. a little slow trying to clear some hurdles. Uh, yeah, so I had no time. Yeah, I didn't have time to do shit, man. I had time to That's get so in the nice. shower, get stretched, and get dressed and get down to the yard. That's so awesome, dude. Um, so, 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 I mean, like, how long did it take for you to, like, kind of cool down after games and, like, all right, like, start talking to being, like, a normal human being again? How long did it take for you to, to – um, I mean, honestly, like, I, I would say an inning or two. And, and sometimes, I mean, look, if, if our team was winning the ball game yeah, or if I were, came out yeah, of the game yeah. and we were winning, I'm probably in a little better mood, obviously, because mm-hmm. we've got a chance to win the ball game. Um, if I come out of the game – and we're losing, or I've just got my ass kicked, don't fucking talk to me. Like, I yeah. think that's common knowledge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I could be on the table in the training room getting my, getting my post-game workout in, and we go up, and I go from having the ass and being a complete dick to, what's up? Absolutely. It's a party vibe. Why? Because we're winning the ball game, and we're about to win the ball game. So, like, I, I was never – I've always – something that was drilled into me very early on, very, very, very early on, uh-huh. is we win, you lose. And that goes for life. We win, you lose. And what that tells you is you're not the reason for the success, motherfucker. There's other people who have put work into this. And if we're losing, well, you're the motherfucker who's got the ball in his hand, so who else do you want to blame for this? And that's the kind of mindset that I took and I take into every area of my life. If we're going to succeed, it's because our team is doing what we need to do to win and we're doing it the right way. If we're going to lose, it's probably because I've gone out there and shit the bed and fucked it up and not <laughs> given us the opportunity to do so. So you, yeah. mindset is, yeah. that's just how I operate. So, so say you had like a bad loss, like, uh, like the rest of that day where you just fucked up, like you, like you did, how, how long, like, like i don't know like i would like, say put it like this uh the ride home from the ballpark would give me and this is this was the the blessing and the curse i guess to living in stockton and driving to the ballpark each day is i've got about an hour to get my mind right heading into a ball game mm-hmm. on that drive and it was great because like road rage traffic people just being complete idiots in the bay area on the highways we know how that goes 880 so, yeah 880 is pretty can, uh, fucking gnarly right, <laughs> right so, so by the time i show up to the yard i'm ready to kill somebody and that was that was great for my game day mentality on the way home not much traffic it's 10:30 at night 
it's cross commute traffic. You're Nobody's cruising, coming man. from the city into the valley at 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, right? So I could exactly roll the windows down, pop the top, pop, pop the top <laughs> of my vehicle. Jesus Christ. I don't know anybody <laughs> thinking I'm like drinking 40s on the way home. But no, because I, you know, I had a convertible. So you pop the top and yeah, man, you can let the wind blow through you personally, not just your hair, but let the wind blow through you and uh-huh. kind of let it knock off the day's dust you know whether it's a win or a loss it's that time to decompress so i really took advantage of of that hour or so i had to get back home that's that's crazy yeah so uh, i i have a few more weed questions too for you yeah. i'm not gonna yeah so uh what about like even on like off days or like say you were injured you're on the dl uh, would you ever like maybe eat an edible and just kind of like sit at the ballpark like, damn, this shit is nice, you know? Like, do you ever have any? I mean, let's let's be real. Think about this: if you're on the injured list or the disabled list, and, <laughs> back in your day, the DL, right? yeah, you're you're getting your work in. So you show up to the yard. You've you've done your exercises. Uh, you've done your lifting. You've gone through your throwing program, abbreviated throwing program, whatever it may be. Because remember, you're hurt and you're worthless. So you get all that work in for the day. You're done. And it's 6.30. First pitch, 7.05. You got an opportunity to kind of, you know, appreciate what you've done for the day. <laughs> and then appreciate the fact that you got the best seat in the house for a big league ball game coming up in about a half hour, man. In Sunset Nook in California is not too bad, you know? It's fucking beautiful, so why, right? <laughs> so why would you not take the opportunity to get in a beautiful headspace to take in a big league ball game? It just makes the most sense. That's fucking awesome. Um, and, and I also heard, you know, uh, I think I read about your, uh, talked about your physical struggles and kind of like the free agency game and like that game you play with uh, teams. Um, I mean, doesn't CBD just make more sense or even just straight weed with THC make more sense than opioids? Uh, like, Oh man, I, I look, I'll tell you right now, dude, I've got, <laughs> I've got multiple holes in my intestine and in my stomach from eating all of the anti-inflammatories I've been on that, that I was on just, just trying to, you know, keep myself on the field, trying to keep my arm in condition to be able to throw. And I'm, I am not any special story. I'm one of multiple guys who essentially, and I'm okay admitting it. Yeah. I sold my soul to the devil then so that I could do Mm -hmm. what I did then. And I was not worried about what I'm dealing with now. So the stomach pain I wake up with in the morning and the just overall shitty feeling you have most of the time if you don't have something in your stomach or whatever that's all brought to you by those strong ass anti-inflammatories and those opioids right Mm -hmm. so somebody who has been well versed in the beneficial properties the anti-inflammatory properties of marijuana of tetra uh, of thc of the Mm -hmm. cannabinoids um that's that's something that i paid attention to so it's not much anti-inflammatory benefit from tetrahydrocannabinol which is the psychotropic uh, <clears throat> ingredient in marijuana, but it's the cannabinoidinols, right? And it's it's the other things that help with the anti or with the in- inflammation. So CBD and mm-hmm. using other drivers. Like I was a fan of DMSO, dimethyl sulfoxide. I don't really? know if I don't, even know, I don't even know what that is. What is that? <clears throat> it is an anti-inflammatory that farmers and 4-H people use to rub on the joints of cattle and large animals like that so if you're taking your cow to show and he's like a little 
rickety, you know, you rub mm -hmm. some of this on their legs, then they're not walking around the circle like they just got done running a marathon. They're walking around that, you know, that show circle like a they're pristine right. yeah. cow. Yeah, good yeah. to go. Um, so, but what it does is it gets into your skin and into the muscle bellies and the ligaments like right now. It's what they call a driver. So you put on your anti-inflammatory and then you put the DMSO on right after that. Imagine the DMSO like being like a thousand little guys jackhammering that anti-inflammatory all the way down into your arm so it gets right to where it needs to go as immediately as possible. And this is like immediately. Like it's immediately. Just, and this so is like a immediately. Is this it's like a, a topical sow? cream. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a top yeah. it's a topical solution. So try this. Go to your local feed store and buy a white bottle of DMSO. Has blue letters, DMSO, and you rub a little bit on your finger and then wait about 30 seconds and then start to start to move your mouth around and you no. will taste garlic. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and that's how quickly it gets into you. I'm talking the amount of like the size of your pinky fingernail. You put that on your fingers, rub it around on your hand just like that. And it goes give it about to your 30 seconds. Tongue? Give it about 30 seconds and you'll taste it. So every time you're in the trainer's room, they put that shit on? And does well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't use that at the field. Oh, I didn't use okay. it at the field. This was oh, something okay. I used at home. Yeah, because oh, you smell. Because okay. okay. you smell. Like, you put that on, you smell. <laughs> no, like, I played yeah. with a guy in the minor leagues who used it. And I got, when I got called up to double A, he walked by me. And I, I swear to God, I looked at him and I go, are you a DMSO guy? He goes, do I smell? And I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, I could smell it. I go, I could damn near taste it. That's how much I could smell it. And he was like, oh, no way. So yeah, like you just little things you got to do, man. Well, well, because you know, if you're an athlete and you're in the moment, like, and, and also like, there's so many guys competing for those 25 spots. So it's like, you want to do anything possible to hold on to that job. You're like, like you said, you're willing to sacrifice your body in that moment. Oh right? yeah. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not worried about me feeling shitty yeah. right now at 37 or what, however old I am. Like, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> I made that bed. I, like I said, I made the deal with the devil and yeah. that's what it is. And uh, what's your favorite name for weed? What do you call it? Ooh, uh, <laughs> I call it I dang. Know. I call it dang personally. I, I love calling it dang. <laughs> uh, I, I rotate like uh, seriously. Like, cause there, I mean, there's just so many, it's, you know, ganja, herb all, all those all those great names um depends on the situation kind of a thing or what? Right, yeah. like like i was like i i don't know if it's so much naming it as <laughs> as what you how you classify how you elevate yourself or to what level you are elevating yourself like yo you want to get baked you want to get toasted you're trying to get lifted you want to get roasted you're to get the mind right what do you want to do you want to take a trip you're trying to take a flight you want to go wheels up what do you got <laughs> you know, like there's 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 a bunch of different ways that you can introduce it it's but yeah, just like, like how are we doing this yeah how, it's like yeah because yeah. like, uh, like it's funny like when you're a kid you're like did somebody just call it pot <laughs> did you just call it pot yeah. like marijuana marijuana pot. Yeah. <laughs> you know and then or or like honestly dope dope yeah. is funny yeah, dope to me. gets me every time dude i dope love is dope. funny like hey you try to smoke some dope <laughs> i just I, I instantly think about um yeah, like the the crazy crazy propaganda that was floating <laughs> around 
yeah, yeah. Back in the early days with weed was coming out. You know, like I'm trying to think of that crazy movie. Um, Reefer Madness? Yes, Reefer Madness. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, like, oh my God, these people are, you know, these marijuana cigarettes. They're smoking dope. <laughs> dope fiends up there having a marijuana party. Christ. That's hilarious. What's your, what's your preferred method of smoking? What's your favorite way to smoke? Um, I, honestly, I, I'm a fan of the edibles. I like mm-hmm. the edibles, uh, but I, I, look, I had to make a shift, had to make a shift early on from, from the blunts, uh, <laughs> to, to the glassware. I'm a fan of the glassware. I appreciate bongs a, or pipes. Yes. Like, yes, yes. Or yes, both. Yes, yes. Or all of the yeah. above. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I've got a collection. I've got one of my most prized possessions is probably like a, uh, four foot zong i have uh it's it, the zong itself was, was it a feet. gift was it a gift or how did you get, uh, it did actually you get? it was it was a gift um yeah. but it's it's a it's a four and a half it's four and a half feet i think four and a half foot zong as it sets so then if you were to actually factor in the z pattern of this thing <laughs> you're talking probably somewhere in the neighborhood of six and a half seven feet <laughs> and it's uh i believe it's I'm looking at it right. I think it's four inches in diameter. So this is one of the things you gotta gotta stand. You gotta stand up, and it's on the ground, and like. You, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you gotta yeah. be standing up for that bad boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're gonna need. Uh, this is definitely something that's gonna require a teammate. Or like a step stool if you're short, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do have the ability to get all the way down with a uh, like with a long lighter with one of those long oh, lighters. like the barbecue yeah. lighters. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you first got high and do you remember where and when and like who like do you remember the situation when the first time you got high? oh man yeah first time i got stoned Ooh, i think i was 13 uh stockton 13, right i'm assuming stockton. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was uh it was it was in the alley behind my house with uh two of my homies and we, <laughs> we heard a car door shut and like i instantly went to panic mode it was like shit my mom's home uh like ran we all jumped the fence and like went and sat in my house and this is the best part is probably an hour goes by we realized like well, obviously it wasn't my mom because she's, she's just like wait, waiting we're just fucking hanging out in the fucking room bro <laughs> like statues for an hour or some shit just, like we're just no we like we we're hanging out in the room like i think uh what was i do i think i was playing i think we we're playing tony hawk we're, Fuck yeah. you know, hell yeah we're they're bringing tony- that shit back they're bringing i know i can't wait oh shit. i can't wait but yeah we're playing tony hawk and i was just like man uh i, I don't think i don't think that was my mom <laughs> Like, yeah, no, are you sure? I'm like, well, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think whatever we just did outside yeah. is working because it's been like an hour and I'm fucking hungry and I haven't seen my mom and panic mode is kind of, you know, subsided now. So when do we eat? <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Uh, have, have you ever got too high? Do you have like a time where you got too no high? No such thing. <laughs> Never. No, no such thing. <laughs> And, and how come it, it doesn't seem like people care about weed and baseball as much? Like when the new, this new thing was passed, you know, everybody's still focused on the NBA and NFL. It's like, oh, MLB doesn't get, like, basically they decriminalized it. Nobody cared. Like, it seems. Well, it's I mean, been, like, you know? think like, about it. It's been one of these things where if you're on the, you know, if you're on the 40-man roster, that means you are no longer subjected to minor league drug testing. Minor league drug testing is the testing that involved marijuana or tracking usage of marijuana. So once you got on the 40-man roster, 
you were no longer being tested under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. So that meant if you were somebody who did partake in using marijuana for whatever reason, you had the go ahead. And oh, I so, don't mean, so once, you, once you get on the Florida man, it's like, dude, I'm fucking in the clear. Like I'm good to go kind of a thing. Yeah. Alex, let me explain something to you. That is something if, if you, I didn't, yeah. Oh yeah. If you smoke weed at any point in time during your high school, college career or whatever, as a baseball player specifically, mm -hmm. and then you become privy to the rosters and how they work and you find out, hold on. So when I get on the 40 man, they can't test me. <laughs> they, don't, they don't test me is that what you're telling me and there's a moment in each young prospect's life if that prospect does indeed partake and their eyes get about this fucking big and they go so just get on the roster <laughs> so when was and, that moment for you when when did that happen when did you does like somebody tell you like hey dallas by the way fucking you know you can you're good to no, go no, well, you, just, you just hear guys you yeah, know, yeah. guys talking about it during stretch you hear guys, you know, bullshitting about it. And you're like, hold it. So, you know, you ask your questions and you're like, yo, so what's up? How does this work? Like if you're on the floor, so like 40 man guys, and that's when it gets explained to you. 40 man roster individuals are tested just like the big league 25 so, man roster. Is. So once you got to the 40 man, you didn't even know until you became a 40, uh, 40 man guy. You yeah, I had no idea. What? No. That's crazy. Yeah, because, cause I'm, yeah, cause like, from, it's just, yeah. Well, like through the, through, through NCAA, like through my, once I was at Texas Tech and then through the minor leagues, like I, during the season, no blazing. There was none of that going on. Yeah. And that's because you don't like the random drug. And, and like, if I'm being completely honest, like, look, let's be real. We're obviously having a lighthearted conversation about yeah. marijuana. It's place in the game. It's place oh, yeah. in society, whatever. But yeah. there's a time and a place and there's a time and a place for business. And when you're in the minor leagues and you're not on that 40 man roster, that shouldn't be something that you're trying to like, attain just so you can get baked we've got bigger plans here folks we're trying to get to the fucking big leagues yeah, so yeah. no i don't want to get high with you before <laughs> we get on this 14 hour bus ride <laughs> because when we get to fucking inland empire or when we get to you know arkansas or wherever like Lan we can we'll get drug, right i get yeah. drug tested and then what wear a bang for what to, to get high and low a you kidding me yeah. absolutely not so, yeah. so yeah, it wasn't even on my radar okay. from like 04 once I was drafted wow. until 07. Cause I never spent time before getting to the big leagues on the 40 man roster. I got called up to the big leagues. And then once I was sent down, like for the first time out of the eight, my rookie year, I was obviously on the 40 man roster at that point, never left the 40 man roster. And that's when you're like, oh, okay, this means, yeah. So, like, when I go to New York, they could drug test me, but that's going to be for steroids. That's not going to be for green crack. <laughs> and I mean, so that being the situation, how widespread is it? Because NBA players have been super open. Like, dude, it's like, I mean, you know, people are, I mean, who, who knows the real number? But I've heard anywhere from, like, 50 to 80% of NBA players fucking smoke weed. To, uh, it's just part of the culture, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, look, there's what, what folks I think should try to understand is the lifestyles that come along with being a professional athlete or an entertainer. It's a run and gun lifestyle, yeah, very fast paced right? lifestyle. Yeah. And you have very little time to wind down on your own, if you will. Um, and when you really look into that, you start thinking about the health and 
winding down and what that looks like. So imagine leaving the ballpark at 1130 at night, taking for myself an hour to get home. So it's now 1230, 1245 in the morning, and I'm just now getting home, all right, coming off the high of pitching a big league ball game, and I need to shower, eat dinner, because I've just, I've just worked my ass off, and, and get home. And that's all going to happen at 1 o'clock in the morning. So for some people, they might say, you know what, I'm going to have a couple cocktails, wind it down, and that's how I'll go about it. Well, some people have two or three cocktails, and they wake up the next day not feeling great. Yeah. And understanding what alcohol can do to the body, what it does to your muscles, draining and dehydrating your body, maybe you can't go out there and perform the way you would the day after. So I didn't want to sacrifice my hardest working day of the week, which is a day after my start. I, don't want, I didn't want to sacrifice that by just getting absolutely crushed on the bottle and <laughs> not being able to muster up what it's going to take to, to train my body to test my body, to push yeah. my body even farther. Yeah. So I mean, some, had, some indica helps, right? You just smoke some oh, indica yeah. and you're fucking good, right? <laughs> slow the heart rate down a little. Well, I mean, speed the heart rate up a little early. Slow <laughs> it down. Um, and, and that's it, man. You just, you're able to go to a place where you can, you can de- like I said, you can decompress, you do away with a lot of the stresses that you deal with, and, and you can kind of move on into a place where you can put today behind you. And in my opinion, and we don't need to get into you know, yeah. safety hazards and all that shit, but yeah, look, yeah. I, I feel like sitting at home, getting roasted and crushing two boxes of Cheez-Its is... And then going to bed? Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with that. Is a better yeah. way to go? Yeah. Well, I, think, I think more times than not, that night ends up <laughs> in a way that a lot of us could be okay with as opposed to what could possibly happen if you get in the car to go meet your buddies for just a cocktail because we know sometimes just one doesn't end at just one and we know sometimes guys will say you know what i didn't feel like i was too drunk to drive and well we all know that we're not the best judge of that at that time so yeah. i just didn't ever want to leave it in somebody else's hands right mm-hmm. and, and um I, I mean i'm curious uh what's it what's it been like going from player to media now you know now you're you're in a completely different role and you're interviewing other people uh what's that transition been like i'm curious well, it's been cool, man. It's been great because I think, well, I, I hope when I'm talking to guys, girls, whoever, they understand that I'm coming from a place, one, of experience. I've kind of been there and done what you guys are going through. But also, I understand, and, and this is the one thing I'll say about myself in this landscape or whatever, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea of the questions folks don't want to have asked. I feel like I've got a pretty good idea <laughs> yeah. of what is fluff, you know, the shit that people could pretty much answer themselves if they hear your cookie cutter question. Nobody wants to hear that. Ain't nobody got time for that shit. And if you want to look up their numbers, if you want to break down things like that, there's, there's all kind of baseball, basketball, football reference pages you could go to. Is that what you want to hear from the individual? Or do you want to hear about that individual's First night at prom. You want to, you know, what, what the first you, time he got high hear? and he thought right. his mom came home. <laughs> right. That's the kind of like, they want to know that you're human, man. They want yeah. to know that you're human. So they want to hear yeah. those human stories. Like when we sat down um, with, with Bryce Harper, 
Uh-huh. Dude, that, that, dude, that was the other thing blew up, dude. Like that, that, like that was like. Congrats, by the way. You guys yeah, have yeah. a lot of success on the podcast, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but but see, it's it's stuff like that, and and so like if you listen to that interview, there's a moment where we're talking, and Bryce is like, "Hey, hey, hey, uh, um, guys, I just want to let you know, this is fucking awesome. I'm having <laughs> a great time." He like yeah. cut us off yeah. to say that, right? And that is just, I think, an indication of how the people that are being interviewed want to be treated. They, mm. they want to be able to put their hoodie on, put their hoodie on their head and talk some shit to you. And <laughs> not, be, not be looked at like they're a weirdo for doing this. Like, why am I weird? Do yeah. I need to be sitting up straight? Do I need to have my team's logo in the background of yeah. the screen while we're no. talking? Like, well, yeah. No, man. No. Yeah, wear sweats. Not, yeah, you're good, man. Yeah, that's, not how, that's not how the world is going these days. And yeah. we're, we're making a... a speedy and swift transition away from what I call the cookie cutter approach to yeah. getting to know your favorite athlete. Yeah. And, and so, so what medium do you enjoy the most? I mean, you do podcasts, you do TV now. I mean, what, what, uh, which one do you enjoy the most? Um, I think, honestly, I think, uh, I, I think TV, TV is fun because it gives you the opportunity to sort of narrate a story that is mm-hmm. unfolding. Like in real time. Yeah. In in real real time. time. It's right here. It's right here. And the fans are excited about what they're seeing, regardless of you opening your mouth or not. So that's already something that benefits you as a narrator, right? They're already in, you don't have to sell them on it. They're already in. So if you understand that now your job is to make what they're seeing exciting. They know it's exciting. But now let's put some context to it as well. Why was that awesome play that they just saw from Matt Chapman so exciting? Well, if you're going to do them a favor and break down the footwork that they just saw Mm -hmm. and relay to them how difficult that is and why it is difficult, now come that second replay that they're going to watch, they're watching his right foot plant firmly into the ground. They're watching him take no steps and they're watching that ball come out at 94 miles an hour across the diamond, waist high, right at Matt Olson's chest. And when you lay it out for him like that, yeah. now they're like, oh my God, that is fucking awesome. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's an opportunity yeah. to do that. And, and, and honestly, in the way that we operate today, I can say something on TV, look at my phone and see a reaction from a fan who's like, wow, I didn't even look at it like that. That was awesome. And then I can engage with them like yeah. in between pitches. Yeah, it's, it's fucking amazing. crazy, right? Like it it's happens. A, it's a, like, yeah. It's like, right like that. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing. So um, that's really cool. I really appreciate that. But podcasting yeah. is fun because again, you have the opportunity to pull yeah. back the curtain, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We can yeah. really chop it up, man. We can yeah. really chop it up. We can get comfy. Like, I mean, shit. Uh, we talked to uh, Austin Meadows, outfielder for the for the Rays, and he's sitting on his fucking fishing boat in the <laughs> marina, like just hanging out. He's like, "Yeah, I showed up a little early because I knew we were gonna do this, so I just, you know, got comfy on the fishing boat, hanging out." And that's the kind of environment that we want to talk to guys in. We don't want them having to drive somewhere for twenty minutes, get in a you know, get in a car put a fucking jacket on to come in at yeah yeah like no. like and you talk to amir garrett for like three hours or something like that right like here some of your yeah, interviews are fucking crazy man like they're yeah, like, like it's nuts man yeah three I'm hours out, yeah i'm hanging out with amir bro where i'm i'm hanging out in amir garrett's uncle's house <laughs> slamming beers with 
<laughs> him and his uncle and that's how we're doing the podcast that's fucking awesome that's fucking great right? yeah. and and it's like if you ask amir to you know hey man can you meet us here at like 4 30 we'll have 30 minutes for you blah 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 that that all becomes so structured right and, and, and then you walk like, in there's all the lights and the crew and all that right? shit you, you don't and like that right yeah, yeah no yeah. and he's and he's yeah, preparing yeah. to to answer like who you know, God knows what, and, and that's just not what we're into. And look, man, yeah. there are so many people who are out there trying to paint guys in a bad light, trying to put them in a corner, trying to create their own narrative for their own benefit. And I am yeah. so over that. I have, that is, I'm here to, for lack of a better phrasing, I'm here to, I'm here to taste each and every one of these individuals. I want them to walk away from what we're doing feeling 20 times better about themselves and knowing that we know how much the fans love them. We just want to give the fans even more of a reason to fall in love with them. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. So, so I, how much, how much do you just love that seat when you're just fucking, you're right fucking there when you're, uh, you got your little umbrella, you're right fucking in diamond. Like you literally could not, like, I think you're actually closer to the batter than the pitcher is, you know? I'm actually 63 feet away from home plate. Oh, fuck. He got you by a couple. We got you yeah. by a couple. Yeah. So but. 60 feet, six inches from the rubber to home plate. <laughs> I am a couple feet farther away. But yeah, dude, think yeah. about that. I am, yeah. I am right there. So I have like yeah. some of the interactions that I have with these guys. It, it, it's great. I talk it, to them. They it's eye mm -hmm. contact. I can see them interacting with the fans who are sitting right next to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as they're making their way back and forth through the tunnel, you know, there's guys who screw with me. Santiago Casilla, who was a teammate of mine for a long time. <laughs> was actually back in Oakland when I first started uh -huh. TV again and was sitting down there. He would come by him and him and uh, Yuzi, him and Petite uh -huh. every single they fuck with you day, every day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. <laughs> Every day, Casilla would smack me, and Petite would like pull my ponytail out or like, you know, <laughs> lick the back of my. While they're running out to the field, so you can't do shit, right? Like they're just no, I'm doing nothing yeah. exactly. They're walking into the dugout. I'm getting smoked and turning around. <laughs> when they get to the dugout. They laugh at me, and yeah. You know, so it's um, and honestly, and the bad boys. Shout out to the bad boys too, right? They're always fucking cool, right? Like, they're always oh, they're fun awesome. to talk to, right? Like the, the bad boys. Awesome. The A's always had the coolest fucking bad boys, dude. They're always fucking those are my awesome. guys, man. Yeah. Those are my, those, I mean, and, and we've got our, you know, we we've got a little thing that we do. They're the, they're more superstitious than Bob Melvin, dude. It's fucking oh, crazy, man. They know what's up. They yeah, know what's up. <laughs> absolutely. They know what's up. <laughs> and uh, okay, so if people do not know who Michael Zagaris is, uh, what's his position with the A's, and how would you describe the Z man? I'm curious. Um, an iconic time machine. That's. <laughs> That is Z-Man. Michael Zagaris. I have his – bro, I have his book. He's the team photographer, by the way. Yeah. Oh, he dude, is the I team photographer. It, dude, I have it here, the, the Total Excess. Yes. Uh -huh. Dude, I have that too. Yeah, I have it right oh, here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How yeah, good like, – I, I read that start to – I read that cover to cover. It's so good. Dude, like, trust me. Like, the day that he showed up with that and, like, you know, gave it to me and handed – and because he was nice enough to, to write a very nice inscription yeah. on the inside and – like, man, like for me to have a guy like that. Fucking legend, dude. Fucking legend. Absolute, we're talking about, a, like, well, do you understand? Do you know that this <laughs> Do you have, I don't know. If I, I don't even any... know. I, I only know, like, the tip of the iceberg of Z-Man. Oh, yeah. It, I know. Yeah. Dude, like, I'm going to say this, and I need folks to, to truly understand this. I'm going to have a Michael Zagaris episode, by the way. I'm going to have a fucking episode Z on the Z-Man. Yeah, for sure. Z, Z is not hanging out with this guy because he 
is in line with his ideals. Z was not hanging out with this guy because they were friends and good buddies. And no, Z had a roommate who had a friend. And that's how these guys like were around each other at this point in time. But you're talking about a guy who's like been around Charles Manson. You're talking about a guy who's toured with the fucking Rolling Stones. And, you know, like, dude, it's seen everything, dude. See, he's everything, seen everything, dude. Like, has done everything. Dude, I want to do a deep man episode right now. If yeah. he called me right now, I was like, yo, D, uh, <laughs> right now, I can't explain it, but I just need you here, man. Um, I would be on the In a road second. In a second. Like, right? Two minutes. In yeah, two minutes. It's that simple. Like he's just a guy. So, what was your? Do you remember like the first time you interacted with him, where you're like, "Oh my god, this guy is not like the normal team photographers. This guy's a little." Yeah, one know? of my first. One of my honestly, one of my first interactions wasn't even an interaction with him. It was me witnessing. Yeah. Him yeah. like just, in real time. Yeah, yeah. He was. Wearing a jock strap, doing doing push-ups in our clubhouse before the game. Dude, I heard that. I heard he like takes showers with you guys. But, like he gets in the fucking mode. He's like, I'm a fucking player, and like I respect that. He just gets in the fucking mode. Like so, when he covered when he covered musicians, like I'm a musician. I'm an artist too. Like this is you know yeah, that's how. It's so understand. Well, that's the thing. Like what you, what you need to understand about Z is he's a dude who, whether he knows it or not, like him just being there is like for me is like okay something's important this is just turn this is turned it up just a little more because z-man's yeah. here yeah. We're talking about a guy like on the ground for super bowls and fucking like stanley he, cups he's okay. lived like four, he's lived like four lives in one it's fucking crazy dude it's no doubt like, it's no so doubt so but but he's one of those guys um and and there there are times where he might find himself in positions uh where other people are not too excited that he is there because he's capturing the shot and that means that he's probably in everybody else's shot that's trying to capture that shot but when you've got the dirt under your spikes that he does dude he can do whatever the fuck he wants he can literally and, go anywhere he wants right and, like yeah and, and z's a guy who like like he would love like he wants to come take your picture he wants to come just show what you're about and what's going on but don't get it twisted like you're not going to talk shit to him. Yeah. He's not a guy that you're going to like throw your big league card around at and things like, like you just don't treat him that way. Or like I, I would not allow that, or I would be very disappointed if I saw players try to kind of buck up and, you know, tell him what his business was because for me, he's as much a part of the A's organization yeah, as anybody sure. who takes a paycheck to play the game for the A's. And, yeah. and that's just, you know, that's my sentimentality, but that's how I feel with it. Yeah, and and um, and he has like the best stories ever, right? I mean, do you have any other hilarious moments? Like, did he ever like affect your start? Because I know, like, I'll, one thing he does is like when you guys are uh, warming up in the first inning or whatever, he will get right behind the fucking catcher. You know, mm -hmm. does that fuck with you? Like, is, is is I mean, what like has has he ever affected a start or like in a good no. way? Like, has he ever like I don't know? Like, I mean, has not, he ever? Not for me. Not for me. He's never, no, like again. And that just, I think goes to maybe my mindset on my start day where it was, you know, me, the catcher, the, the seven dudes behind us and whatever asshole standing in the box at that time, that was all I cared about. But 
to CZ down there. Like, because sure, he's there. The minute you roll out to go start your stretching and warm-up routine, he's right there in your grill taking pictures. You come in before you're getting ready to go out for the first pitch. He's right there, you know, taking pictures of you and the catcher and the pitching coach walking back from the bullpen. He's right there. He's right there after the anthem. Yeah. The anthem. You know, he's there. Yeah, he's always there. (laughs) Yeah. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. But that's all. That's all part of the Z man mystique. You know, is and and what's cool about where I sit now is because he rolls in that area. Like I and and I'll tell you this, and I have no problem saying this. Um, I am allowed like a certain amount of space in that area, right? Just to kind of so so I have a line of sight and they Uh uh go away, like. When Z rolls up, I come on, bro. I yeah, undo, get in here. Like, I undo here. the That's little thing. And yeah, yeah, rolls, yeah. That little like I, I, I have legitimately, I have legitimately <laughs> called a replay, and then like continued my analysis into the game while on screen with Z sitting just below me, head <laughs> just below the screen, so you can't see him. But you can see me and hear me. And he's taking shots of me up underneath, right? So, like, but but I'm used to that. I'm used to Z doing whatever he does. But that's the kind of, like, that's the kind of hall pass he gets from me is this is my space. But when you come over here, this is our space. Well, it's so crazy because he has a story for literally everything. I, I think I, I, I mentioned some venue in San Francisco. He's like, oh, one time in the 70s, I saw Iggy Pop get a blowjob on the top of the table during a show. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I'm well, like, he's, he has a story for every single situation. It's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. I, I, there's two people in my life that I could <laughs> I, I know like I could call and just go, hey. And then I'm probably not going to say another word for like 10 minutes. And it's Tim Kirkjian. And it's Z-Man because I say Tim Kirkjian is incapable of having a normal conversation. He has so much baseball knowledge and information that yeah. anytime he's approached and is allowed to like speak words, he's like, <laughs> it's just like the most amazing stories. That's hilarious. I did not know that. That's funny. Oh, it's hilarious. great. It's, it's incredible, man. It's incredible. And Z-Man is the same way. See. Yeah. Kind of hot today, huh? Yeah, dude, it reminds me of fucking Woodstock right right before guys went on. <laughs> and then you're like, you're just in it. You're like, that's it. That's all it took. Yeah. Yep, strap it he on. Just, he was just waiting. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know. That's what's cool about the A's. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, shout out to Roy Steele. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, but I mean, uh, also, uh, the A's, I just feel like they have all these uh, – Right now, like these people who've seen like a lot. Another guy is Steve Vucinich too. I, I just want to. Oh man! I just want to. What makes him such a legend? What makes Vuce uh, such a guy? Like when you think of the A's, you think of Vuce, right? Like I mean, what what, what makes you're, you think you're talking about the oldest clubhouse attendant in baseball? Not oldest by age. I <laughs> <laughs> might be oldest by well, age. Honestly, uh, Mike Murphy at the Giants. That dude's uh, yeah, Murph, Murph, Murph is Murphin. Murphin <laughs> Vuce. I feel like they're yeah, like. Okay. They're like the guy. I mean, I, I have, I'm I'm pretty limited. I'm from, I haven't worked many road games, but like, you know, yeah, like they, they are they are the OGs. But Boos is yeah, yeah Boos is the longest tenured uh, clubhouse attendant in baseball. You're, that's a guy who was here when when Joe D was here. Yeah, like that fucking that yeah. Like in the folks listening, yeah. There's a picture in Boos's office of him just hanging out next to Joe DiMaggio in the dugout. Like yeah. just Dude. wrap your head around that, okay? That's who Vuce is. 
I mean, how cool is that? Like the first thing you walk in, you look to the right, it's fucking Boos's office. Like how, how, it's like comforting, right? How, how nice well, is it, that, right? You it know? is. And it's, and it's cool because there's just certain things and this happens in other clubhouses too, but you know, like after a big win or a series win or a sweep or something like that coming up after the game, you can smell the celebration in the clubhouse, if you will. And mm -hmm. that is emblematic of the Oakland A's. That's what I think. That's, you know, mm. I'm, it's just you know, a fun vibe, right? Because I know by the time we get in there, the media, like, say, 15 minutes later, you guys are all, oh, yeah, that was a good win. Uh, that was a fun time. Uh, we're going <laughs> fucking, you know. But I always, I always imagine just complete debauchery in there. And it's like, it's kind of like a game for you guys, right? It's like, well, like dudes are probably naked and going fucking berserk, fucking smoke machines and shit. Like, and, what do we got? What do we got? We got like 15, 20 minutes maybe before the clubhouse <laughs> opens to you guys? Yeah, I know. Maybe not even, I right? I bet. So it's like fucking, you guys got to get it out. And then you guys well, want to get the fuck out of the, you still want to get the fuck out of the Coliseum, right? Yeah. We all, re we all remember the scene in Ace Ventura when he leaves the monitor. <laughs> when he leaves the monastery and the monks are just losing their mind, partying their asses off backflips and shit. Yeah. It's, it's just like that until those doors open for you and your recorders to come through. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Then he goes, Oh yeah, that was a good win. Uh, good team win. Good team. Anything win. for the team. Anything for the team. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean like, how would you describe Boos's office for me? Whenever I, he's been really awesome. He's so nice. Like he's been, he's granted me a couple interviews um, and it's so, I feel like when I sit down on those little chairs on the left, it just seems like a museum, you know, you like, exactly. you, you're interviewing him, but you're also kind of looking around at the room. Like I was like, kind of gather everything I was looking at, dude. It's crazy. Well, yeah, and, if, and if you're sitting yeah. in those chairs that you're talking about, you're missing a whole lot because the wall behind you. Yeah, has, that's the wall true. You tells even better so many yeah. stories. That's yeah. where that's I have honestly, I haven't even looked at that wall. Yeah. yeah that's, well, that's the wall where the picture of him and Joe D sits. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a time capsule, it is because here I'll, I'll even I'll, I'll I'll give you a little inside info. Um, when I leave the field, right before the game is going to start, uh -huh. I go up to Boos's office, and that's where I change. That's where really yeah, like if I'm going to put a heavier jacket on or like something underneath or whatever, like I go up into Boos's office. It's like you're, uh, it's just like a little nice cup. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's like, yeah, this is, the, this is the spot. Like, this is that's where it. I got to be. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Bo Boos is, and, and he is, he is a, uh, he's like a father figure, a grandfather figure, an uncle figure, and a friend figure, all, all wrapped into one, depending on what you might need him for that day or, or what he might be doing that day. You know, he, he, he wears many hats, not just a clubhouse guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy because he has machine. to, because you would like you have to deal with so much shit, but he like he never seems flustered. He just seems like he's oh yeah, geez, everything's chill. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the real. I mean, that's what I only have what I've seen as an yeah, asset. Well, well, I mean, let, let's be real. He's got a lot of good help from a lot of great dudes. Yeah. Maddie, who takes care of the umpires and helps out. Mikey, who does the visiting side. Yeah. Cliffy, who does yeah. an amazing job on the home side. I mean, I they, they've all been there, they've all been there for like ten plus years, right? All those like that that twenty, solid 20 court, plus right? years. Yeah, twenty plus like, years. They've yeah. all been. They all were bat boys. They're uh -huh. all clubhouse attendants. They will. I mean, one of them, thank God, one of them will take over when Boost decides he's had enough as well. And so the continuity of that clubhouse is also something that A's players yeah. are, are lucky to have and I'm sure appreciate because it's the and, same face. Yeah, and, and visiting players too. Mikey Thalbo over there too on that side too, right? Like everybody loves those guys, right? Like everybody no, yeah. loves those no, guys. No, you roll in to tell you. 
coming yeah. to Oakland as a as a you know as an opposing player might not be a ton that you get excited about, but uh, I think once you get to the ballpark and you get to the clubhouse, it's fun, right? It's like a different vibe, right? Like it's like it. it's like you're like it's like you said it's kind of like a time capsule. You're like. Yeah, like you're only there for three games like yeah it's cramped but it's like i ah, just appreciate it like no other yeah. ballparks like this dude you know think, like, think about it like a think about think about it like a treehouse kind of clubhouse not the treehouse <laughs> we have in oakland and left field that's awesome but think about the treehouse clubhouse you were climbing up in when you were eight and nine it's really cool because it's yours well no there's no running water and no there's no toilet no you don't have a chef and no you don't you know but what you do have <laughs> You appreciate, and it's really cool. So, yeah, you don't have the chef. You don't have all that. But what Mikey does and what the cooks at the Coliseum do provide for those guys, it's their own. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I know I was expecting to go a half hour. I wanted a fucking hour. Dude, this was so awesome. I can't believe this is the first episode. Uh, dude, yeah. that's all I got. But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so no much. problem, man. Anytime, brother. All right. Take care. Man, how awesome was Dallas? Thanks again to Dallas for his time and for being so entertaining and informative and insightful during that interview. I really, really appreciated it. Uh, It was really fun for me. I hope it was fun for you guys, too. So up next on the pod, we got Jane Lee, who, uh, like we said up top, she was her first year on the A's beat was 2010 for MLB.com as the everyday reporter. And yeah, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off as her intern in 2010 and the last game of our first homestand was Braden's perfect game so it was great to catch up with her again um so yeah she was on the she was on the beat from 2010 to 2018 before moving down to Phoenix where she now works with Arizona State in a couple of roles but I'll let her fill you in uh on the details and also just gotta warn you the audio is not the greatest but episode one We're figuring it out. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, here's another interview, uh, this time with Jane Lee. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. Okay, well, we're back with everybody's favorite former A's beat writer, Jane Lee. Jane, how you doing? I'm good. I kind of like hearing A's beat writer again. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) So you're uh, you're calling in from Phoenix. Uh, We just had a little conversation offline, but uh, yeah, just can you give people an update on what you've been doing uh, since you've been off uh, as the A's beat writer for MLB.com? Yep. Um, Yeah. So a little bit of a change of pace, although I guess everyone's kind of experiencing a a change in pace right now because the world's all wacky, but um, Yeah, I kind of transitioned into a role with ASU Enterprise Partners, which um, is it's essentially the nonprofit arm of ASU. Um, so I work in the edit- editorial department. Um, I talk to a lot of donors. Um, so that's that's my full time job. And then um, what I'm really loving on the side is teaching at ASU's Cronkite School. Um, I teach a sports reporting class. So that's kind of my way of you know, um, keeping up with it and feeling, still feeling like a a part of it. Um, and I'm really loving that. That's great. Full disclosure. I graduated from the Cronkite school in 2009. (laughs) So I I was actually there when that building opened that downtown Phoenix thing. I mean, I mean, how how cool is it? I mean, you said they have a whole sports journalism program. Um, and you know, I know the facilities that they have there are pretty top notch. I mean, is it impressive to see, uh, you know, what ASU offers right now for students over there? Oh, yeah, it's incredible. I know when I was um, touring colleges, I want to say 
I want to say I visited ASU. Of course, I made sure it coincided with the spring training trip, but I want to say it was like 06, 07, um, and I visited a Cronkite school, and that was when it was still on the Tempe campus, and now it's downtown. Um, just like an incredibly beautiful building. Um, I cannot get over just the sheer number of resources, programs available to these students. I mean, what ASU Cronkite has to offer is really incredible. Um, and I tell my students that I'm like, you know, take advantage of these opportunities because it's pretty rare, you know, what they have um, available. I mean, just the fact that they have a sports journalism major, that's just kind of rare. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's only offered in so many, you know, colleges around the country. Um, and And I love that, you know, it's not just you know, want to be writers. It's broadcasters. Broadcasters also have to take this class. And and so, you know, we really kind of just make them realize, you know, no matter if you're writing, you're broadcasting, whatever it is you want to do in journalism, um, social media, you know, reporting um, is, uh-huh. is at the core of it. So, yeah, it's, it's really been fun. And yeah, every time I walk in that building, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had all these things when I was a student. Yeah, and um, how are you liking the transition to Phoenix? I know it's not the Bay Area. I know you pretty you've pretty much spent your whole life in California before this move, right? I mean, yeah, I'm uh, I'm still pretty wary of this heat. It is not <laughs> <laughs> it is not my favorite, um, especially because I actually I know people in the Bay Area. You know, they get sick of the kind of the gloom and the overcast skies, but I loved that. I really did. Um, I lived in both San Francisco and Oakland. And when I was in San Francisco, I was in the marina and just getting that fog every morning. Um, you know, I, I loved it. I loved walking in it. Um, and I really just missed that cool air. Um, in fact, today, I think it's like a high of 111 here. And I looked at the humidity. <laughs> the humidity is supposed to, it's like 5%, which is just crazy. Um, and it's the, the tough part is it never cooled down, you know, like there's places where it gets hot. At least you have cool nights, cool mornings. And here it's just, you go to bed, it's 95 degrees, you wake up, it's 95 degrees. So it's been a little tough, but um, I mean, Arizona is so close to California and, um, you know, hopefully when we can all safely travel again, um, I can get back to California a lot. And I, I already have, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an easy place to live. Um, you know, obviously you know, a lot of mountains around here, so a lot of hiking when it's not 111 degrees, um, and it's still close driving distance to a lot of places. So, um, not the Bay Area, but to <laughs> me, to me, nothing is the Bay Area. So it's really hard to ever compare. Yeah, I'm looking at my window right now in Oakland. It's like 70, sunny, it's perfect. Yeah, you you wake up and it's like 55, 60 degrees, and then the sun peaks out around noon, and then it's sunny, and it's just every day of the year it feels like that so i i do miss that i miss a lot about the bay area but i i think you also appreciate it when you leave it so i'm lucky to have been there for so long <laughs> and, and what's it like um kind of being off that uh grind of being a beat writer especially you know how tumultuous this whole thing are you are you kind of like oh thank god i'm not doing this i don't have to worry about this it's kind of nice right and what has it been like <laughs> yeah i feel like i <laughs> You know, some some days I miss it, but I probably don't miss it more days. Than not. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, not to say. I mean, I I love, I loved it. I really did. It was um, my cliche. Ten years, right, or eleven? Yeah, seasons? yeah. I did. Um, I did nine full seasons on the beat, um, and then of course I did the MLB.com internship. So I was around the team for ten plus seasons, um, which is just crazy. Um, 
I still feel like I just got out of college. Um, but no, I mean, it was, it was what I wanted to do and I did it and I'm so glad I did. And, um, I feel very fortunate that I was able to do it. Um, I think, you know, I miss traveling. I miss being at ballparks. Um, you know, I of course miss the people There are so many good people around the game. Um, but I've also really enjoyed just kind of slowing things down. Um, you know, when, before we were all kind of sheltering in place, um, you know, I was going to bed at like 9 PM, which, you know, is like the fifth or sixth inning. Um, so I kind of enjoyed, (laughs) I kind of enjoyed transitioning into a a little bit more of a a normal routine. Um, of course, nothing's normal now, but, um, I think I was just, um, you know, I think change is good and I was ready for just a new, a new challenge really. Um, and, you know, I, I do miss a lot of things, like I mentioned, but um, I'm also happy to, to be doing something else. And um, I still follow, you know, the majority of my Twitter feed is still <laughs> largely baseball. Um, so I, I'm i pretty aware um, of what's going on and I try to keep up, but it's also really nice to have the option of turning it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's the part I just, you know, I was, it, it, it's just so all consuming. Um Mm-hmm. you know especially these days of social media you know no matter what time of day you just you can't turn it off you always have to feel like you're on um it's just this constant pressure um so I really don't miss that but um you know I there there is a lot I miss and um you know I still still stay up to date but yeah when it's you know I remember last year um you know, when it's like the seventh inning and it's 10 p.m., I just turn off the game, which is a nice option to have. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so, uh, you know, listeners just heard an interview with Dallas Braden, and I want to ask you, what do you remember about May 9, 2010? <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I, especially this last year and a half, I've been trying to piece together a lot of my years on the beat because they just kind of all blend together. Um mm-hmm. And that day, though, I mean, when people ask me about, you know, some of my favorite memories, that day definitely stands out. Um, I mean, I was so brand new. You were so brand new. Yeah, that um, was my first week. That was my first homestand. Yeah, that was, like, the last yeah. game of my first homestand. So, like, we were both, like, 23, I think, at the time or something. You might have been 22, honestly. I think I, I was know. younger than you, yeah. Yeah. I was, I, think... I was 22. Um, yeah. And I was in, yeah, my my first season on the beat. Um mm-hmm. And I just, I remember it being one of those things where, you know, it's it's like the fourth or fifth inning and it's still, it feels early and you're like, yeah, okay, you know, it could happen, but it's not. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And then the sixth (laughs) inning is still like, you know what, there's three more innings and then you're also thinking like this is when, you know, pitchers tend to get tired. And I mean, it's not like Dallas is an overpowering pitcher, like he's only got so much in the tank, right? Um. But just the way it suddenly it just started, I remember it started going by so fast. Um, And it was, you know, suddenly, you know, you're not only thinking like, okay, this could happen, but oh, I have to write about something, you know, before this game ends and, you know, have something, you know, not just up on the website, but something really good. I I did feel that pressure of like this, this could be, you know, a historic moment. and I, and I really want to do it justice. And so I remember feeling that pressure, but then, yeah. but then I think just, you know, um, somehow it just kind of came easily. And of course, you know, um, 
because I'm sure everyone. I, I was scared listen. shitless. I remember I was scared shitless. <laughs> like, cause it yeah. was like the seventh or eighth inning. They were like, Alex, we need you to write the running game right now. I'm like, oh my god! Like, so I'm the people. I wrote like the worst story ever. I remember it was like a terrible fourth. No, no, no. no. I'm you know? sure. But then, I'm, but then sh- I'm sure it wasn't. I mean, you know, what? and that was part of the pressure. Was suddenly you have not only um, <laughs> you know your your immediate you know editor and your manager, but you have. Yeah you know, their bosses, um, you know, suddenly, I think back then we still had um, AIM, so we were instant messaging. Yeah, we were. Um, we were yeah. So, you know, I was getting instant messages left and right, trying to tweak, <laughs> tweak stories, um, getting like a post-game budget for 10 different stories for two mm-hmm. of us. Um, and so, but also like you're trying to balance, you know, the, the whole part of watching it and, and enjoying it and staying in the moment and, you know, being able to tell a story that depicts you know, what is going on and, and being able to, you know, paint a picture for those that aren't there. Um, and so it was, it was just a tricky balance of trying to be in the moment um, and, and enjoy it, but also do your job. Um, and so, like I said, I mean, so much of that day was a blur. Um, yeah. I do remember, um, since, of course, it was Mother's Day, I, I think I had agreed to meet my parents after the game for dinner um for mother's day and that that of course did not happen um yeah we were like the last two people in press box i'm pretty sure yeah i want to say i think you were like the last person in the press box yeah i want to say for a day game i probably left at like between like 9 and 10 p.m um and the team was going to texas the next day i was flying to texas the next morning um so there was just there was a lot happening at once, but I, I just I mean the story ultimately told itself. I mean the fact that you know this wasn't just any other perfect game. Um, I think and I think that you know it was one of those moments where it transcended the sport and it was just there was such a and his uh, grandma was there that hug and everything on the field. Yeah, I mean like, there was yeah. just so many amazing um, stories to tell around this game um, and. Yeah, everything that went, I mean, it just couldn't have written itself better, right? It being Mother's Day and his grandma being there. Um, And so I feel like the storytelling just kind of, it really did flow after that game because it was just such an easy story to tell. You wanted to tell his story. You wanted to tell his grandma's story. Um, And it became so much more about baseball. So I remember, like, you know, the pressure fell off after the game and then just, you know, sitting down and really wanting to write a good story and then knowing that, okay, the story didn't stop there. It was going to continue um, for several days. And I, it felt like it continued, you know, much longer after that. Um, and I think mm-hmm. we re- we revisited it um, a year later and then I think several years later. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot in one day. And I'm sure you were you were feeling it. I mean, I was feeling it, and I was probably you know I, I'm sure. Well, I, I remember you telling me you're like, oh, of course, like the new B writer has the perfect game. Like I remember you were feeling that pressure too. Like all the other MLB.com writers are going to be judging your story too because you're like the rookie on the beat, you know? So yeah, I mean, it, it was. It's like I mean, so yeah. many ball writers go their whole careers without seeing one, and I <laughs> here I was, you know, it's May of my first year on the beat, and I get I get one. Um, and yeah, there's just, there's a lot of pressure that goes with it because, you know, your story, even, you know, someone like myself writing for a website, you know, it's not like it goes away. I mean, that story is going to get read, you know, by a lot, there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. Um, and, and really more than that, just at the end of the day, you wanted to do 
this story justice because it wasn't just about, um, you know, 27 outs. It was about this incredible story of a grandma, you know, raising um, her grandson, essentially, and she being there for, you know, one of the, I mean, probably the best day of his career. Yeah. And um, I know you have to go soon. I got one more. Uh, is it crazy to think that you did that for 10 years? I mean, is it, is it wild to think like, holy crap, like that's like a whole different life, you know? Um, yeah, I, um, I, I can't believe, you know, how much, how quickly time went by. Um, but like I said, I mean, it's just, you kind of, you're in it and it just, it goes by so fast. Um, and it's just this cycle. Um, kind of like, you know, when you were in school as a kid, there was, you know, everything revolved around the school year. And as a baseball writer, everything revolved around the season. And so, you know, just as you're, you know, getting into the off season, it's just over in a flash, you're back at spring training, then another season, and then you're settling into your off season, and then here's another season. And so it just kind of goes, you know, goes on and on and never really stops. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, it's just crazy that, you know, I, I did get to do it for that long. Um, and, you know, I remember when I first started, I was so much younger than, or at least I was either younger or around the same age as, you know, most of the, the players. And, you know, yeah. by the end of it, I was getting to be, um, you know, almost a decade older than them, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird to think about. Um, and yeah, I am <laughs> amazed at how much time went by. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm just so grateful for having had an opportunity to do it for so long. Awesome, Jane. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. of course. Oh, man, isn't Jane the best? I know a lot of A's fans loved her during her time. Uh, those, those nine years she was on the beat, and she was always great to me, and I learned so much just by watching her. And I know everybody at the organization misses her. So really great to catch up with Jane again. So yeah, that's a wrap on episode one. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RickyBlog. And eventually we'll actually have the blog up at RickyBlog.com as well. So thanks again for listening for episode one. Stay tuned for episode two coming up soon. And yeah, we'll have all the details on Twitter and Instagram at RickyBlog. So take care. And don't forget to sign our petition to bring back A's Dollar Dogs at change.org slash bring back dollar dogs. That's change.org slash bring back dollar dogs. I know there's no fans going to games, but we got to start the movement now, you know. <laughs> Anyways, I uh, hope you all enjoyed. Take care and we'll see you in episode two. All right. <laughs>